Welcome to the latest episode of the Brush Builders Union podcast. I'm your host and general president of the Brush Builders Union, Simon Berman. Joining me this month is Greg DeStefano, color commissar of Turbo Dork, the uh, little paint company that's been kind of taking the uh, the industry by storm the last year or so. How are you doing, Greg? Excellent. How are you? Great, man. So I'm, really, I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, you know, I think you sent me some paints about a year ago when you were first launching, and I've loved your stuff since. Yeah, I think uh, you actually got one of our first sample sets and oh, wow. put one of the first reviews up for us, which, which was super cool. So That's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, I really dig them. They're, they're great stuff. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so um, you know, I think just for a little bit of context, uh, you want to tell us just a little bit about Turbo Dork, and we'll kind of get into the specifics after that. Right. Uh, so Turbo Dork, we specialize in metallics and color shifts. We are, as of next week, we'll be one year old. Um, so we're still a super new company. And we were kind of created by mistake. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a, uh, you know, I I'd spent a couple of years learning about paint because um, I wanted to make a metallic purple and um, kind of came up with it and was like, well, maybe I can come up with a few other colors, put them online uh, August 24th of last year, and then, then sold out within the first week and then made a bunch more paint, sold out again. And it's kind of gone from there. One of those weird things where like, okay, I thought maybe my mom would buy some paints, you know, like a couple <laughs> pretty sales yeah. here and there with from some friends. But um, I, I guess we kind of stumbled upon something people liked. So it's been a cool process. Yeah, I think you have a really unique line right now. Yeah, it's, unique's a really good way to say it because it's like, you know, we don't just have basic green or red or whatever. It's like we want to have colors that are memorable. And sure. Like colors that like inspire people to paint, you know, like, oh, I got to come up with a project for this color, you know, as opposed that, to vice versa, where it's like, oh, how, what do I put on my, you know, Space Marine today? <laughs> that, that, that has actually been exactly my struggle with your paints. Like, I, I have all of these and I'm like, these are awesome. I need to find a specific thing to use them for. And like, I keep looking at models, I'm like, that'd be a cool thing to do for these. Yeah, yeah. There's there's totally stuff where it's like um, Cloud Nine is one of our new colors coming out next week, and like I don't know what to use it on, but I know it's a cool color. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, and that's that's been the cool thing is watching our community. Like, you know, people just blow me away by what they come up with. You know, it's like I'm I'm so narrow in my like oh I just want this on a smooth surface like a Gundam or a Space Marine, but mm -hmm. you know, like you were saying, you were painting an organic creature um or pre-podcast you were saying <laughs> yeah we'll, um, we'll get back to that yeah <laughs> but it's just it's just super cool to see what people have made with our paint no for sure so uh, you know i'm a little curious how so you kind of hinted that it, it, the 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 company started by accident but like what what was your what was your journey to get here i mean how did you get into miniatures gaming and what series of, of events led you to start a paint company which is a pretty unusual thing even in the industry yeah right um <laughs> so yes the history of greg DiStefano. um I've been a, a mini gamer since I think I was eight. Um, I started out playing Magic the Gathering with my dad. Um, and my dad had actually started doing the um, the old hex-based like war game stuff with uh, Avalon Hill um, like when he was a sure. kid. Um, and so I kind of got born into the war gaming world. Um, when I was in like junior high and high school, I played uh, 40K. Like my dad had an army. My mom painted miniatures. My mom still paints miniatures. Um, we went to games day back when that was a thing. And then I kind of went off to college and was like too cool for school for a while for like 15 years. And then like a couple of years ago, went through sort of a rough patch and kind of rediscovered painting and gaming as like a good way to let off some steam and kind of recenter myself. Um, sure. And then I got back into the hobby around Warhammer 40k 8th edition. And, uh, you know, I'm not the greatest painter in the world, funny enough, having a paint company. Um, huh. And so... I was kind of looking for something that would be unique 
uh, and then I started like, okay, well, I really want like a metallic purple. So hang on, let me interrupt you. What did you want the metallic purple for? And this is, uh, I just totally forgot the name. It's either the World Eaters, the 30K um, army that is mainly metallic purple not where the emperor's Eaters. children emperor's children thank you because the funny thing is i never even painted them um you know three years now down the line of wanting to make that purple for them <laughs> um but so i saw just, some other art online and it was just super cool and i was like okay i gotta do this but so nothing to be, existed to be, to be clear you, you you created a paint company to make a purple paint which you for a specific model that you have not painted yet yeah pretty much awesome yeah um <laughs> that's sort of become my life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I feel you. <laughs> and it's 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 actually kind of drives a lot of our development. Um, I mean, a lot of the new colors um, coming out next week were developed by Meredith, but um, we'll we'll actually come up with things. We're like, oh, well, wouldn't it be cool if we had a color for this project? And then we'll try to come up with that color, and then we'll never have time to actually do that project anymore sure. because we're we're making it for other people. So it's right. been a weird weird balance of of stuff. But yeah, I never got around to painting my army metallic purple. <laughs> um, Someday. Yeah, someday. Uh, right now, I'm just working on some uh, Imperial Knights. Uh, oh, that's in cool. One our, in one of our new colors. So those nice. pictures will go up next week. Oh, that's exciting. But yeah, big stuff to paint. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so you know, um, when you decided to make your make paint for the first time, what, what goes into that? Because, you know, I, I, you know I've, I've worked in the industry for a long time, and I have a little bit of knowledge, but I admit I don't really know a whole lot about what goes into making miniatures acrylic paints. Uh I didn't know much either uh, <laughs> when we started. Um, it was pretty much just, and this is just the way I learn things, is like I spend, I get super honed in on some hobby and that's like all I can think about for like weeks on end. And that kind of happened to me with acrylic paint where we we live in Los Angeles and we live about two blocks from a place called um, Craftsman and Artist Supply. And it's one of the best hobby stores and art supply stores I've ever seen. Oh yeah, we, we have those up in Seattle too. Yeah, I think they're like employee-owned chains. Yeah, they're a great um, chain of stores. Yeah, super amazing. They have some artists the and crafters. Yeah, they they, they have like craftsmen. The the best quality of everything they happen to have, and it's almost always in stock. But I basically went there and was like, okay, let me buy every single acrylic medium I can find, and uh-huh. and play with them, learn what I like about them, and then go on YouTube and start teaching myself about paint. And then there's and then I went to classes on like actual formulation and whatnot, but. Um, it basically just started out with me messing around with pigments and um, mediums from the hobby store. And now it's a whole new world of buying chemicals and, you know, 55 gallon drums and, you know, oh, I'm <laughs> <that> sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's, 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 that's not a simple procedure, especially if you're going to, you know, ensure consistency from batch to batch, right? Right. Yeah. So, and one of our big challenges has been growing um, and, and taking on larger batches because our first paint, we made 50 bottles of each color, Meredith and I, using um, condiment squirt bottles, like mustard bottles, you know, and obviously very scientific. Not, yeah. And that's not a very good way to scale a company. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we, we actually just signing the, uh, the purchase order for some really big filling equipment and labeling equipment so we can start doing um, batches of 500 at a time. Oh, that's great. Um, which is still small in the grand scheme of, I think, sure. you know, Vallejo or something like that. But Ooh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, our first couple months. Okay. So the really weird thing was um, August twenty fourth at noon. I put a little picture online on my uh, Twitter and my Instagram, my personal ones. Like, hey, we came up with some paints. We would like you to buy them. And then a couple hours later, my friend uh, Ross retweeted it. And then Ross Thompson, the man, the myth, the legend. Exactly. 
And yep. at 7 p.m. that night, uh, Mike from PhD, uh, you know, hobby distribution, uh, emails me and is like, hey, we'd like to carry your line. So it was literally from the get-go was like, okay, how do we figure out how to make more paint, more colors, um, and take on a distributor from literally the first day. <laughs> wow, that's great. <laughs> which, which was just nuts. Um, and a lot of that is, again, thanks to Ross and having, you know, and people trusting in us. So, um, but yeah, scaling up, you know, the first couple of months, um, <laughs> I remember sitting in the, like the only place we could put the mixer was in our bathroom that was quiet enough. <laughs> and I remember for weeks on end before Christmas, just sitting in there listening to this thing, grinding away, mixing. Um, and then, you know, we had like five folding tables set up on our loft, you know, where we were bottling everything and packing everything. And, uh, we now have a production facility uh, and have grown from there, but it was like, it was a real trial by fire from the beginning. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. It's still a challenge though, right? Oh yeah. Well, it's always, I mean, it's still a challenge right now, you know, of like, okay, well we, we really want to expand and offer, you know, we want to come up with like 60 colors, I think would be um, a good stopping point for a while. Yeah. That and, seems like a, an impressive line. But then you got to think about 60 colors. Every time one goes out of stock, you got to make a new batch, right. you know, and then trying to keep all that um, kind of all those uh, juggling all those balls in the air all at once. Um, so, yeah, we were finally like, OK, we need to get some, you know, bring in some new equipment because a lot of the early stuff I'd actually 3D printed for us. Um, I designed and 3D printed our filling system, our labeling system. Yeah, a lot because <laughs> it was just there wasn't tools out there for sure. a small I mean company. I, I, you know, sort of an aside, but I think it's really cool that, you know, in 2019, you can, you can actually 3d print the equipment you need to manufacture your own stuff, like essentially in your garage, right? Like that's, it's kind of mind blowing. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I think, uh, the 3d printing revolution, I think is really, it's not so much about, you know, I know the hobby's got problems right now with, with people just kind of like 3d printing space Marines, but I think, uh, the real key to 3d printing is when you start learning the design process and you start tackling real world problems that you have, you know, be it from like, you know, fixing a drawer like I did in our bathroom by printing a new wheel for it. Um, or, you know, the labeling thing that we use, you know, it took a couple revisions, but I basically built like a $10,000 labeler for like 30 bucks, Wow! you know, in parts. Um, and, uh, and it was just one of those things where you just kind of like have to like look at the problem, break it down, figure out how you can print it. But, but you can do that now. And that's just, crazy <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's like star trek stuff right yeah yeah we just got a, a resin printer because we're gonna try doing not miniatures but something miniatures adjacent so i wanted to print prototypes on it and it's like you know this vat of goo that this platform goes in and out of for like an hour and then you have a thing stuck to it like an actual 3d object like super high resolution like finished and it's just crazy it's like uh something being birthed out of a replicator yeah it, it's nuts when you really just sit down and think about it um yeah so i mean so your, your initial line that you launched with uh, last august you know what, what what was your you had about what 15 colors 16 colors something like that 16 yeah yeah so what were your what were your sort of touch points for for creating that initial set of paints well, I mean, one of the first things, and it's funny because in our second volume is when I came out with our real gold, but I really love golds. So Afterburner and Radium were gold shifts that I just fell in love with. Like I just, uh, for a long time, I've been painting like everything in gold. Like everything's gold and red, a lot of my armies. Um, and I wanted to have something that was going to complement that. Um, our metallics, you know, to some extent, like earlier on, I said, oh, we don't just have like greens and blues. It's like, but I kind of wanted to have our basic 
you know, yeah, that makes of, sense. of, of metallics. Um, and they ended up kind of being a little more desaturated than some of our later stuff. Uh, I think we've kind of gone more crazy as time has gone on for the better <laughs> in a lot of cases. Um, but uh, let me look at my original metallic lineup. But uh, yeah, so People Eater, uh, People Eater is the reason this whole thing started. Um, and then I wanted like a accent to that. So we created Murple, which was like a desaturated purple. And then Murple kind of spawned Seafood, which is not one of our more popular colors, but still one of my favorite just because it's like a nice, you know, medium green. Uh-huh. Um, you know, ill-gotten gold was kind of like a combination of, you know, my love of gold, but then I'm wanting something that was like different. You know, one of one of the things we're working on now is like traditional metallic. So we're going to come out with our own golds and silvers and no, sure. and that kind of stuff, which I don't feel like I'm giving away too much saying that. You um, heard it here first, folks. R- right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think we have five or six new golds figured out. Cool. Um, and then, but ill-gotten gold was like, I just wanted... If I'm putting out a gold metallic, I want to come out with a gold metallic that is different and putting that blue and green into it and making it sort of like a sick gold was just like super fun to try. Um, and a lot of the times, I mean, one of the things I can talk about pigments is a lot of the times you can add, because you can even do this with some of our colors, you can mix them with other paints and make a or other colors and make a, a whole new thing so things like ill-gotten gold have other pigments in them than just the the metallic bits uh, and that's what gives them sort of their feel yeah so we you know we came out with our 16 colors and you know we kind of immediately knew we needed to have a little bit more than that like it's hard to have a paint line with just you know 16 colors yeah of course um so that we grew up to 30 by i think february um and we've been at february since then or fat february we've been at 30 paints since february that's great um and then you know we got really really um sort of famous for i guess for our color shifts and so that our whole new line which is 13 new color shifts um that took a little bit to formulate and to kind of get the right palettes going um because one of the actual to go into i guess i'll self-drive this topic which is like you know one of the problems with color shifts that people had was they didn't know how to highlight or um, shade them mm-hmm. and i've sort of been of this opinion that they're sort of self-highlighting and self-shading because of the way the color shift works is it's going to actually highlight um highlight conceptually where each shape is on your miniature because it's going to show you different colors for that right but a lot of people want to lock in that contrast of having you know a white edge or a dark shadow you know we were talking about again pre-podcast uh you know we we're you were saying kind of cartoon uh style lining and i think one of my favorite things for painting with our uh paints is actually putting something like a gloss null oil over it and really emphasizing the shadows interesting and then, and then letting the 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 rest of the paint do its thing but our new palette is it actually includes highlight and shadow color shifts as well um so somebody could zenithal their way up from a dark color shift to a light color shift yeah that's um, that's really cool um you know i, I did want to i want to talk about the new line quite a bit um but as far as maybe give us a little bit of background on like you know what is a color shift paint for people who may not be familiar or you know have only kind of heard the term um right. you know what 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 is a color shift paint and maybe you could tell us a little bit about like how they get made because it seems like a really challenging paint to to create yeah so a color shift paint is essentially like painting with prisms it's a finely ground um, flake, uh, generally of mica, um, that is 
either grown or ground down to only show you the certain colors of that color shift. Um, and that's actually what makes it kind of hard to paint with and why a lot of these colors need to be used over black is that um, it's it actually is a prism. So if you put it over some other color, you're kind of seeing through the color shift into the base. Um, so you need to have, to have the right base behind it to reflect that color back. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm sorry. So say like blue raspberry, you know, that's a that is a prism that is engineered just to show you that blue color or that raspberry purple color. Um, and there's literally millions of them in the paint. And you're just slowly layering that up over black. And depending on how the light's going through that prism, that's what's dictating what colors you see. Right. Yeah, that's that's the one I have the most experience with, which I think I mentioned before that we started recording. Right. Um, you know, I painted a Relic Blade Illusionary Horror up in that stuff uh, back in June. Um, and, you know, what's really interesting to me was, you know, I uh, I squirted a little bit on the palette just to see what it was like before I, you know, I put it and loaded it up into my airbrush. And, you know, on my, my white palette, it's, you know, effectively, it's pearlescent, right? Like, cause, you know, yep. mostly you're seeing the white through it, but as the light hits it, you have this sort of glittery sheen of, of blue and purple. Yeah, then, yeah. it's It throws you off, right? Because yeah. you just see, like, a glittery white nothingness and then you're like well how did they get this blue and purple out of this? right like you know I, I actually took a minute and like you know really shook up my paint and just in case i was only getting like you know when you when you when you have a bad when you have a pot of paint that you haven't shaken up and you know the, the pigment and the medium have separated i was like did that happen oh no it's, it's supposed to be like that and then you know i sprayed it over the gloss black uh, primer and i was like oh that's badass <laughs> yeah it's sort of a fun discovery moment. Uh, I, I would say our number one customer service email actually is people being like, hey, we think you forgot to put pigment in your blue raspberry paint that we just bought. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, don't worry. Just put it over a black surface and you'll see what we mean. And they're like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's so. so cool the first time you put it on a model. Like, it's just like, it's like magic. Yeah, it's just a neat, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a photographer uh, in real life. Well, less so now because we've been making so much paint but um you know back in the day with uh, a dark room there was like a development process where you'd expose the the paper in the developer um uh sorry in the enlarger and then you'd put it in the developer and then you'd actually see the picture come out of nothing in this tray and it was this magical moment as a photographer to like see your picture become real and a lot of this color shift stuff it kind of feels like that when you're painting with it is like there's that moment of you're like putting on this weird white goop and you're like, I don't know if this is going to work. And then you're like, Oh wow. There's like, there's this sumptuousness and the saturation to it that doesn't make any sense, you know? And yeah, that was it, just a really fun moment. <laughs> it, it, it really is, is just, just exciting. The first time you, you put it on a model, it's been, been primed black and just, just see, see the magic happen. Yeah. And it's, it's, it throws people off too, because you don't expect, you know, metallics and color shifts just work totally different than, than regular opaques. Um, and they take a lot to kind of learn how to, to use in the best way. And that's kind of one of the things we've been trying to figure out a way, not necessarily a way around, but a way to kind of educate people on, on how to use our, our stuff to the best effect. Yeah. You, uh, you have little informational cards and stuff, I think, right? Yeah. We just started putting like a little tips and tricks card and, uh, in the orders we send out. Um, and we're going to start trying to do more, uh, either sponsored videos with, uh, painters online or i'm going to try to record some stuff here of, of more tutorials um because it's it's not super hard to use but it is different and, it's definitely you know, it's one, not it's not necessarily intuitive right yeah exactly yeah i mean ju just the concept of putting white over black and having color come out doesn't make any sense right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it goes against everything you've been taught right oh yeah um, yeah um 
and then there's the color shifts that you kind of the there's the red base color shifts you know so blue raspberry and shell shocked from our old line um those are white base you could put them over other colors and you would still see sort of a iridescent effect but then there's the red base shifts like radium and afterburner that if you put them over white it just looks bad <laughs> okay uh and that's part of like a saturation thing but you know it's just it the prism is relying upon that red um when it goes over black to give you that proper color um so again it's it doesn't seem intuitive you'd think oh i can put this paint over anything um but it just doesn't show up in the way um your traditional painter brain would expect um our new line, I don't think, has any of that weirdness. Most of it all makes sense, like in the bottle and on the mini. <laughs> sure. Um, other than the white-based stuff for our highlights. But um, but that lets you use it over anything. That's kind of part of that highlighting process. That's yeah, super cool. Uh, is the clear base. So, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, so when, when you were kind of conceptualizing those original color shifts, was there, like, any particular models you had in mind for them? Or, or just, like, this would be a, a dope color to add to the line? Um, funny enough, uh, I was playing Tyranids back then, uh, and part of the reason to start Turbo Dork was I was like, wow, it's getting expenses buying all these monsters. Um, you know, <laughs> like maybe I should figure out a way to pay for my hobby. Yeah, no uh, doubt. And so I was, so I was coming up with colors like Shell Shocked, which was like something I wanted to use on Tyranids. It never ended up doing, but was for Tyranids. Um, Blue Raspberry was sort of my Space Marine like go to. Um. The other golds were for um, Stormcast Eternals. Um, what does that leave? Ground is Lava. Uh, Ground is Lava is just such a cool, fun color. Um, it didn't really have a, a reason to exist. It just, you know, came into being. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of our stuff is sort of uh, project or goal based. Um, you know, we don't just like mess around and be like okay this purple looks cool with this green it's like you know we we come up with like okay what what would be a cool color for lizard or you know for godzilla to be right um, what would be a cool we'll color for to godzilla to be um <laughs> let's see meredith's painting uh, a dragon in one of our new colors forest flux which is a beautiful sort of beetle shell um color shift yeah it's um, it's funny actually i i you know i posted a little preview on facebook of your your new stuff yesterday and uh my good buddy michael Plummer messaged me almost immediately and was like can i borrow the forest flux because i want to do my beetle wings on my uh my sylvaneth guys with that stuff <laughs> yeah, like exactly, immediately right? <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's it's it is beetle shell um i didn't call it beetle shell though i probably should have but i was going for originally the i don't know if you heard the term alliteration always when uh, I, I was have. naming stuff so Forest flex, shifting sands, molten mantle. Um, well, motherload kind of messed it up, yeah. but you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so sometimes I get a little stuck in the naming of things too, um, and then they don't make sense anymore to anybody except for me. But you know, they are memorable though. <laughs> they are memorable. Yeah, yeah. Meredith and I, we have a um, uh, a document that we we share that's basically just any kind of weird names we come up with throughout the day we just kind of pin it sure and who know who knows what it's what we're going to name down the line we'll just go through that list and come up with stuff you you, um, you got some deep cut references in there too like uh was you, you got that blue from the original line was it daba d yeah right was that was, God, oh, what was that band eiffel 75 65 yeah <laughs> blue yeah yeah if you if you grew hey, up in the 90s you know that song yeah exactly well and you know 
a lot of us did grow up then and you know and a lot of these references are sort of from um sort of our childhood and our teenage and uh you know college years you know like you know our orange is multi-pass you know our favorite movie is uh you know fifth element and uh yeah, we just go with that stuff. And, you know, I, it's fun and it makes sense to us. And I, I hope that people get them, you know. Uh, I think a lot of our new colors are a little more, um, make a little more sense than most um, or don't. Uh, they don't <laughs> have as many deep cuts, uh, but um, but they describe the color a little bit better, I think. Sure. So it's towing that line of, of total geekdom versus, you know, descriptive ability right (laughs) (laughs) so you have uh sort of a whole new line coming out august 24th uh which seems to be composed of two parts you've got uh was i think four just sort of new uh metallic colors and then you have three sets of three paint multi-layers for the highlighting and stuff with color shifts you were talking about um were those were those developed separately or were you just like i've got these four cool metal colors i'm going to throw them in with the new line you know did you did you envision it as a as a sort of single project or uh or how did, how did it come about? Right. So uh, Earthly Pleasures, which is actually what you're, uh, those, those four metallics, um, they're actually color shifts. Uh, and they were, oh, they've, been done for, they've been done for a really long time. Um, it was sort of just trying to figure out the right time to release them. Um, you know, so Forest Flux is our beetle shell. Mother Load was like our um, holy grail color we were trying to come up with, which is we wanted to have um a mother of pearl like abalone shell yeah it's beautiful beginning yeah um and it's a fascinating color it doesn't photograph super well but it looks amazing in real life sure and that one does that uh, one actually goes over a white primer right it does it's i think other than bubblegum crisis it's pretty much the only color that um, we recommend you use over white um it looks cool over black don't get me wrong but it's not going to give you a mother of pearl look. sure <laughs> um and that that was a, a weird challenge too, is just trying to figure out how to put stuff over white. Because white, just getting a white base down that's good is actually kind of hard as well for a lot of people. Yeah, it's true. Um, white, I'm going to get sidetracked here, but that's fine. Uh, white is a really hard color to make um, because titanium dioxide and pretty much any other white pigment is big and chunky. Um, that's why like everybody hates white paints from every company. Um, right. Is, it's just a physical thing. Like you can't make a good white paint yeah, and have it still be smooth uh, and especially airbrushable. So the best stuff is a little bit off white, um, which I think is why not to talk about a competitor, but Citadel, you know, went with gray and um, kind of cream for their for contrast uh, for their contrast basis. Yeah. Um, and that's specifically so that they can get a really nice smooth um, layer down for the contrast to, to go onto and pull off of. Um, so yeah, anyway, so mother load goes over white. That's the one weirdness, <laughs> uh, shifting sands was, I wanted like a natural color shift. I wanted something that was going to be not just bright colors, but to be actually like a tan to a tan, you know, or tan to Brown. Or sure. It's subtler. Kind of depending on, yeah, it's, it's very subtle. And then molten mantle was another one of those things where it's like, I just want something that's like deep and sumptuous and, and, you know, it's like a red wine with, uh, you know, a yellow highlight. Um, I just, that was, you know, earthly pleasures was what I've been working on for a while. Um, whereas the other releases were more Meredith's, um, uh, palette. Um, but these, these, I just wanted something different. You know, we're, we're known for our, our crazy colors. And of course we're coming out with these crazy colors too, but, uh, I wanted to, to throw a wrench in the works with something that was more desaturated and, yeah. and natural looking. Um, <clears throat> chill out 
um, which is to move over to our our three packs of three colors. You know, our new colors uh, sets Chill Out, Sky Above, and Cheat Day are each three colors consisting of a, a highlight, a midtone, and a shadow shift. And that's our take on um, kind of a custom request to have, you know, the full range of um, highlight to shadows uh-huh. included in the shift. Um, so we really wanted something where people could pick up a pack of colors and and have the whole range they needed um, to highlight a color, to shade a color, you know, either being Zenithal or painting it on uh, by hand. Mm-hmm. And, and then you generally prefer uh, airbrush for these paints, though, correct? Yeah, you know, so a lot of the like color shift, <clears throat> the properties really need to have a smooth application to get you that um, smooth shift. If you don't, and you you know hand brush on really chunky thick layers, it'll still shift, but you'll it'll shift everywhere. There's a little bit of a brush mark. Sure. Right. So as opposed to a whole panel switching over at once to a different color, you're it's going to look like it's striated. You know where the brush left its strokes. Right. Um, and I don't think that's a thing that most people like a whole lot <laughs> uh, I, I thought so it was okay for like detail work though because you know i painted that relic bland, relic band um adventuring party and you know I, I did the illusionary horror up you know very boldly in um blue raspberry but uh you know i wanted to have a little bit of that in the, in the rest of the war band so you know there's a wizard who like summons that guy so i painted just like the tip of his wand that color and uh there's kind of a, a dwarf rogue who's like he's got he's running and he's gonna kicking up like a smoke effect under his feet and i painted that in the blue in the blue raspberry as well and I found that in those little tiny areas where, you know, I, I, I can see it would be difficult to hand brush that stuff on like a big armor panel or something. But little tiny detailed figures, it worked pretty well for me. I just did a few coats and yeah, um, actually I painted, a, I painted, I hand painted a black and then I put a gloss on top of that. And that seemed to work out pretty well for me. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I don't know if there's any hand paint gloss blacks out there in the mini world. Maybe yeah, work on that. that'd be a good idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, the... Uh... Probably just because gloss is almost always like a an airbrush kind of thingy generally. Yeah, for sure. Um, or it's goopy. Uh, crap, what was I going to say? Something you brought up. Oh, so handbrush stuff. So we actually, uh, we switched our mix um, about two months ago to um, all of our paints are a little bit thicker now. And that was kind of for two reasons, which is almost half of our customers handbrush with our paints, even though um, I think airbrush is still the best method best method not everybody has an airbrush or has gone through that process of learning how to do that and they feel comfortable with a handbrush sure so the problem with the thinner stuff which is you know our our paints were pretty much just airbrush uh originally is you know it's it's hard it's it's it really wants to pool on you it separates really quickly it just doesn't go on super well and it, you can do it for some small details but we had people painting whole minis and we're having some trouble so we kind of felt like as a shift like if we just thickened everything up a little bit, it would keep our pigments in suspension and then you can really hand brush it. So all of our new line and then actually all of our old lines as of, well, today um, are going to be all be in the remix stuff. You know, it'll come out of the bottle a bit thicker, but it's going to it's going to be so much better for, I think, everybody. Um, and then it it it's cool. It really opens up a new way to paint with our stuff, too, because you don't just have to figure out a way to, like, mask off something and airbrush it. Right. You can now just, you can now, like you said, you can put black down and then you can um, paint in that detail. Um, yeah, it's that was a big switch over, too, like, because people liked our paint and it was like, well, should we change something that people like? Like, I don't know. How do we do this? Yeah. And at some point, we just kind of had to pull that bandaid off and be like, I guess we're just we're just 
thickening it up and we're going with it like okay go sure <laughs> yes yeah, so, i mean sometimes you gotta mess with success right yeah yeah and it's gone over really well so i'm really happy but it was that was a real worry for us for like six months <laughs> yeah i can imagine <laughs> of like when do we do this uh, i don't know <laughs> um but summer tends to be a you know a somewhat quieter time for gamers and for retail so it felt like a good time to you know also to come out with these colors too. yeah no, it's yeah. it's cool. So I mean, so you got these three new lines. You got Chill Out, Sky Above, and Cheat Day. Um, were there particular projects you had in mind when you were you were coming up with these these sets of colors? I think you mentioned uh, Meredith did some of that stuff too, right? Yeah. So uh, Sweet Dreams, uh, Meredith has one of those. I think it's called a Momoharo. It's from the for it's like a gunpla figure, and it looks like just a little orb guy with cute little ears. Um, very anime and sweet dreams was a color she wanted to paint him up in um <clears throat> miami sunset was something i really wanted for chaos um kind of selenish you know and not quite selenish but you know it's a little more pink than yeah that. but um this photograph's a lot more pink i think in real life or than in real life there's more purple in real life that's a hard thing too is trying to photograph these color shifts oh yeah it's challenging <laughs> As, as I think a lot of people have run into um, online when they're trying to show off stuff on Instagram is um, the tip there is you need to have light from multiple angles. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. Uh, Ice to Never was, strangely enough, like that, or Chill Out was a, a line that we were doing for Tao. Um, I just wanted something that was like super anime what do you call those? Mech suit kind of stuff. Right on. <laughs> so the, these sets, they're, they're three colors each. And obviously, ideally, you use all three of them together to create your your base, your shade, and your highlight. Um, but you know, do you, do you see application for them as individual paints as well? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know we came out with these as as sets. I think because customers really want to have have that full palette. But my philosophy for a lot of our colors is I really like, and because we're we're the ones formulating them, and we spend so much time just staring at this one particular color as we're working on it is we really fall in love with the individual colors and we really want to figure out like, like I like painting with one color and then putting a wash on it, you know, or, or lining it and letting that color sing. But I get that a lot of people don't want to just do that. <laughs> um, so a lot of our colors, I mean, they all totally stand on their own. The, the, the shadow colors are maybe a little dark, um, I think for tabletop on their own, you would you would definitely want to put something over them, you know, like let them eat cake kind of needs sweet dreams and then, you know, some sugar rush. But I think sweet dreams looks great on its own. Sugar rush looks great on its own. Um, and I apologize to all the people who are hearing us talk about colors without seeing them. Well, we'll, we'll <laughs> um, post a link with the podcast so people can go <laughs> reference all the all the new stuff. Yeah, I forget that this is a not video yeah <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you guys aren't looking at the same thing i'm looking at on the screen um you know it's just it's a color theory thing you know um i think dark stuff on the tabletop uh is a little hard to see sometimes um and part of our philosophy was and like why meredith you know we started with the highlight colors is really we really wanted stuff to pop you know uh, we want stuff that you can see on the tabletop and know what it is and know that it's yours and and kind of own that whereas i feel like a lot of the darker palettes sometimes disappear and you know those are probably better for like show miniatures or sure. collections and things like that but that's just like a contrast and like a, a you know a, a tabletop theory kind of thing in my mind <laughs> um 
Yeah. <laughs> no, that all makes sense to me. With this line out, I'm curious, is, is there is there a white whale color for you? Something that you're, you're dying to do and haven't figured out yet that you can talk about? <laughs> My white whale is chrome. Really? <laughs> chrome. So we've made a really good chrome that's alcohol-based, um, but nobody really wants to work with alcohol-based paints, at least in, in our hobby. Sure. Um, and, and I don't like working with alcohol-based paints. Um, chrome's tough. So, you know, there's some okay options on the market but they're not ones that give you really good effect easily yeah i mean i a, uh, a buddy of mine um he was experimenting with alclad have you ever heard about that stuff oh yeah alclad's pretty good. it is good but it's, it's also incredibly toxic like you need to have a rebreather on when you work with it right so that's the trade-off with this stuff yeah you know and 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 a lot of these you know uh a lot of the really cool special effects paints are uh lacquer based uh, or alcohol based and it, it has to do with kind of the solvency of things and it's easier to get a good smooth finish with those uh, more so than acrylics um, but most of us don't want to wear a rebreather <laughs> you know or don't want to have to don't want to don't have a whole you know spray boost system that's you know got filters and stuff in it and it's explosion proof and you know whatnot um, you know so we we wanted to make stuff that was easy to use and i i haven't been able to make an easy to use chrome yet um that is that's my white way right on um and one of one of uh, funny enough when i talk to a lot of people that they're like oh can you guys come out with a chrome and it's like uh i want to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just haven't figured out the the science behind it sure um because it's it's hard to get you know chrome is basically like you're painting a mirror right and it's hard hard to get the flakes to fall in line in acrylic um in a smooth layer um the really good chromes are super highly engineered pigments that basically like grab together with each other uh, and um, kind of interleave, um, but it can't do that in acrylic resin. Um, it can only do that in alcohol. Um, so yeah, it's been a weird battle for that. Uh, still working on it. That's actually, cool. Sparkle Motion. Sparkle Motion. Funny enough, is actually what happens when Chrome goes wrong. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the you know it's uh, we were using actual silver in there, and the the flakes. I love it because it's sort of like a, an in between kind of bigger flake, glittery uh, wonderfulness. Like it looks kind of like looking at a uh, like a snow crash kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that was actually like we developed that in the process of working on the chromes and then fell in love with it and came with that, came out with it on its own. Um, so yeah, funny side note there. <laughs> right on. I mean, accidents always produce cool st or sometimes produce cool stuff, I should say. And I think with paint, that's probably some pretty happy accidents happen. Yeah. We, and there's actually a color that we got all the way through the development process and was going to come out with these. Um, and it might still come out. It's called rainbow roll. And, um, it looks neat. It has a rainbow effect, but when you photograph it, it, you can't even tell you're looking at a miniature. It looks like you're looking at like the um, digital snow on like a TV. Oh, wild! Connected. Yeah, that's kind of cool so, in itself, though. It's cool in itself, but it was like I don't know if people are going to buy this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so sometimes colors don't totally work the way we expect them to either. You know, like it looks great in person looks great on the spoons you know we we got all the way through developing it and then when i was photographing it it just was like oh i don't know um 
but maybe it's good for a teleporter effect or like a warp portal sure. or something. I mean, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I so. mean, you guys are definitely doing some pretty cutting edge stuff with paint. I mean, it's not just a question of you know coming up with a cool color and and putting it in a bottle, right? Like, there's there's some real challenges for you guys. Yeah, well, it's like presenting it in the right way too. I think a lot of a lot of our success has been through being able to photograph the things and show them well online and, you know, people really know what they're going to get. And um, I think that takes a lot of the mystery out of it for people, you know, while they may be super advanced, you know, colors and formulas going into this stuff, you know, it, we've tried to distill it down into a way that makes it approachable and usable by everybody. Um, and that just sounds like, total marketing speak for me no, that's but fine. you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is true sure. but also <laughs> but also a bit too much you know what i mean yeah sure yeah i'm very self-referential sometimes when i'm talking so i, I apologize for oh that. <laughs> it's it's all good man it's it's, it's it's great talking about all this stuff um so, yeah, so have there been any particularly cool or exciting or, or surprising you've seen the community use uh your paints for oh that is a very good question let's see uh, we've had some people paint like skateboards. That was pretty cool. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, we, we made these for the miniatures market, but it's been amazing to see what people do outside of that. And like, they'll just be like, oh, I'm just going to put some paint on my glasses. And now I have color shift glasses. And that's like, that's freaking amazing, that's man. Um, you know, I, I bought a couple pairs of shoes that I want to try painting in our colors just to see if I can have color shift shoes. Sure. Um, <laughs> one of the things that we're kind of trying to work on is like, you know, a, a leather paint kind of mix, you know, something that's super flexible and super durable um, because we think our paints would be cool in on clothing and things like uh -huh. that. Um, but let's see, surprising things that people have painted. Um, I'm just blown away every time people like our paint i mean again this we've only been around for a year and this was not supposed to stick yeah <laughs> so the fact that everybody loves our stuff well, not everybody i'm sure there's people that don't like it yeah. but everybody who talks to us likes our stuff the people who suck <laughs> people yeah people who suck don't like our stuff um but ever you know we've gotten really good feedback and and people just the creativity that comes from taking these palettes and putting them on a 3d surface and um it just I love seeing that. Like I love the feedback from the community and I love having people like appreciate our product. Um again, that sounds super markety, but it's very yeah, true. That seems it's honest like to me. One of one of the things that's like the most inspiring is that people, you know, have continued to uh be creative with something that we've put out in the world. You know, I may not be able to be creative on that same level with this thing, but somebody else is. Uh and that's super cool to be kind of part of that process. Yeah, that must be really, really gratifying. I'm sure. You know, is, is there anything? So, what what are you painting these days, if anything, or are you just making paint? Uh, I am painting. So, at my local, uh, friendly local gaming store, which is Next Gen uh, in Hollywood, um, we are doing a slow grow for 40k. So, I am painting some uh, Imperial Knights in Motherload. Oh, dope! Which is a super fun. Like, gives me the nice big surfaces to see their shifts. Yeah. On. Um, and then mostly I play Necromunda. Me too, so, actually. Um, yeah, I, I'm painting up some meshers right now with some contrast paints. Oh, cool. Um, just to kind of get a feel for sure. them. Um, man, I could talk about contrast paints for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> From, if, if, you, if you ever wanted another 
somebody else's uh, outside opinion on contrast paint for another podcast. Like I could literally, I was going to write like a whole dissertation on yeah. that, um for our Facebook. And I was like, I don't know if anybody really cares enough. <laughs> maybe they well, do. I do, but let, let's maybe let's have you back on and talk about paint some other time that, you know, isn't just pure promotion for, an, for yeah, another company while you're trying to talk about your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, that's I should I should actually come on and just talk about other people's yeah. products um, and, and what I think about them. Yeah. <laughs> Which, to be fair, I mean that's that's one of the things is like I absolutely love other paint lines. Like I love using other people's paints too. You know, it's like it's all part of the process, and it's everyone's good at a different thing. You know, um, for a long time, Vallejo made the best gold uh, combination that I used on my guys. Uh-huh. You know, now I use our stuff, but. Um, games workshop i think with citadel has has some of the best feeling paint like i really like how their paint goes their consistency is very good yeah yeah um you know their metallics are pretty similar to ours in that sense it's kind of hard to work with but all metallics are yeah it's just the nature of them Um, but yeah contrast was a brilliant idea that i think they tried to market a little weirdly in the beginning um to say that it was like super easy for everybody to use but um it's kind of (laughs) not it's cool don't get me wrong but it's not the easiest product to use you have to learn its uh eccentricities yeah it's it's a unique process for sure yeah but that's for another yeah (laughs) podcast down the line (laughs) yeah actually something i think was had maybe people who are you know painting experts of various kinds just come on and talk about you know paint philosophy and and techniques and stuff but uh we'll, we'll get back to that yeah but let's see personal projects um it's hard you know that's the funny thing with this is that like you know this has become our business and uh you know it's that whole problem of growing your hobby into your you know your business is a lot of times you don't get to participate in the hobby that you were trying to be part of originally you know so uh i do a lot of like math hammer in my head you know you know coming up with army lists and stuff like that but i only ever get a chance to play 40k maybe like once a month at most um necromunda i think is a a brilliant system and it's much more bite-sized i love Um, it yeah and uh especially their new releases have just been amazing um i just got some of those enforcers that i'm gonna probably do in like forest flex or something like that you know a bunch of like beetle warriors yeah (laughs) um beetle police (laughs) that that would look really good actually they got that nice big plate armor don't they yeah yeah um but uh See now, you know, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to interrupt you because I, uh, I've been like, okay, you know, I don't, I, I like the, the enforcers are cool, but I don't, I don't need them. And now I'm like, oh, I can paint a cool color shift on them. Maybe I should get them. So that's, that's right. on you is yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> hey man, <laughs> that, I think that new book, okay, this is a total tangent, but I think that new book that came out, I, I the book of the judgment, name, but it is, yeah, it is one of the best books. It's really good. The new, yeah. Like it, this feels like old, um, like Inquisimunda, uh-huh. like I and Q twenty eight stuff. Yeah, it's real gritty like, and weird. Yeah, yeah. And then I've I've always been a fan of Judge Dredd, and uh, one of the few cosplays I've done is actually from the new Judge Dredd movie. Oh, sick! Um, I have one of the helmets and uh, a whole set of the leathers and stuff. Awesome. And, uh, so I, so Puppets War makes Judge Dredd heads, um, which I got that I was thinking about using on the enforcers. Um. This is a whole other tan- like that's a whole tangent. I don't know if you're including the podcast, but I just it's it's super cool to now have our like judges in the yeah, game. Yeah, I agree. It's it's, a, it's such uh, a core part of Necromunda, right? Yeah, yeah, because you got to have the, the whole 2000 um, AD thing. <laughs> yep, 
Oh yeah, and I like that they're kind of big, bulky, like a little bit cartoony. Um, yeah, it's just something about Necromunda is is the alternating activation system um, feels fun and light. Forty um, K can be hard. I mean, hard time wise. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I'm not super great at it, so a game is going to take me three to five hours. <laughs> you know. Necromunda is going to be much quicker than that. Although we spend almost that time amount of time setting the stuff up, sure, like a cool looking yeah. battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which three D printing is amazing for that too. You know, uh, to to plug somebody else, Warlayer, who's got a Kickstarter, I think, still going on oh, yeah? or just finished. Like amazing three D models that are all interlocking and three uh, D printable at home, and you just whack a little bit of silver paint on that and some wash and some highlights and you've got like an underhive you know and all you got to do is press print yeah that's great got to press print a bunch right. print out a whole bunch of little pieces but uh eventually after a month of printing you'll have a whole terrain table or table of terrain worth sure um yeah i could just talk about hobby shit forever well, <laughs> which is i mean it's great man like, it's is, always nice to hear people who work in the industry who are you know genuinely enthusiastic about you know other people's stuff and just playing and painting yeah well i mean that's the thing is like yeah we make paint but like i love when other people come out with cool paints too you know and like cool minis and this is this is what we eat sleep and breathe (laughs) you know uh good and bad we probably should take some time off Uh, but (laughs) uh especially right now with the new release it's been a lot of us uh over the office bottling stuff but um but it all pays off in the end and it's all fun and yeah it's what we like doing. That's really cool. <laughs> so is, is there anything about the, the future of Turbo Dork you'd like to talk about? Hmm. The future of Turbo Dork. Um, we're going to be at LVO. That's cool. cool. Um, we visited last year um, sort of as a scouting mission. Uh-huh. And then I've got actually Luna, my cat, is sitting on the paperwork right next <laughs> to me here uh, that we're about to She's sign helping. for uh, exhibiting. So that'll be cool. This is the first time um, we've done a convention and we'll have a booth. Um, you know, it comes with also the scary thing of like, can we sling enough paint to make it worth sure. it? Um, which, uh, who knows? <laughs> I, I got a good feeling we'll for you guys, but yeah, it's always a worry. Yeah. I think it'll be okay. Uh, it's nice cause we can drive there. Uh, and Vegas is not super expensive. Um, things like Gen Con, I think would be amazing too, but their booths are so expensive yeah. and it's so far away. Um, it's just tough to get out there as a, uh, company. Um, future of Turbo Dork. Uh, more colors are always in the wings. You know, we do want to come out with about 60 metallics and color Yeah, you ships. mentioned. So is, is, are you looking to mostly focus on metallics and color ships, or do you, do you see any possible future where you, you branch into, I don't know, other, other technical paints or you know, even traditional pigments? That's definitely in, our, uh, in the wings, but I can't talk about color That's stuff. totally fair. Um, yeah. There, there is a limit, of, of course, how many colors can you right. make in color shift and metallics. <laughs> I feel like 60 is probably the limit uh after that we're definitely going to start looking at like you know normal style opaques other technicals um there's some amazing stuff i'm working on that's not at all color shift or opaque Mm -hmm. or anything that people would expect that i think are just going to be super cool they're super specific yes um but there's something that nobody's done that's exciting and i and i and i hesitate to well i i'll talk about it with not on the yeah podcast. sure <laughs> <laughs> well, when they when they um, come out we'll have you back on to uh, to talk about them here yeah because they're super exciting but um i don't want to reveal uh and have somebody else steal my yeah video. for sure <laughs> um which thankfully hasn't been too much of a problem um with our company oh hey hush 
sorry, cat jumping on my Quite all right. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just more colors all the time. Uh, maybe some new formulas. Um, we kind of want to come up with some primers if possible. Oh, that'd be great. Um, you know, because uh, it's funny. I've relaxed my restrictions. I used to say gloss was required for our stuff, and gloss definitely looks better. But I think our stuff looks perfectly fine over uh, matte undercoat. Um, but I want to have a good black gloss. I want to have a good white gloss too, which kind of doesn't exist. Um, that's kind of its own thing is trying to figure out adhesion properties for all the different, you know, products. Yeah. Like some stuff's great at plastic, but not good at mm-hmm. metal or vice versa. Um, so, you know, the stuff that people have come out with like Badger, their Steinol Res stuff, I think is some really good primer right now. Um and it feels a little weird reinventing the wheel, um, but um, getting something that works really well with our paints, I think, is a key. Um, and then top coats, you know, varnishes, um, you know, down the line. Basically, not that we want to become a Vallejo or a Citadel, really, in terms of scale, but um, having a full line of, you know, what I like what Citadel mm-hmm. does is, like, we have all the colors, we have the primers, we have the top coats, like, it's the one-stop shop. Yeah. And I think we, if we were the one-stop shop of psychedelic colors, uh, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, you, you got my vote and money. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much for talking to us. This is all really exciting stuff. You know, I really dig your paints. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have people on here that I don't, I don't dig their stuff. So um, consider that my endorsement. But uh, you want to? Oh, yeah, my, my pleasure, man. And thank, thanks for sending me a bunch of free paints to check out too. Yeah, of course. I hope you oh, enjoy. I'm sure I will. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, on. for sure. And I uh, think so. Uh, these are going to be available for pre-order August nineteenth. Yes, which I guess is uh, this coming Monday, and then they will officially be online the twenty fourth, which is our birthday for one year of our company. Oh, happy birthday! Uh, thank you. <laughs> and then they'll realistically probably ship on the twenty sixth, which is the next month. That's great. And you, you can find them all at turbodork.com. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, th- Greg, thanks again. And I'm excited to talk to you more about painting in the future and uh, all of your secret projects you can't talk about yet, but that I'm dying to know about. <laughs> Heck yeah. Thank you, dude. Cheers. The Brush Builders Union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft. Brush Builders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushbuildersunion.com.